Welcome to another episode of High Output AI, where Elliot and Tom discuss all the tools and techniques that make AI happen. Crispiness and a drink bottle full of water. How are you, mate? Mate, I'm good. I'm on these uh, new nabs, new Tom, reducing his alcohol on these, the titties. They're so good. Any good? Yeah. yeah, and they're like a third of the price of normal beer. Well, you'd hope so. It'd be pretty sad if they were the same price and didn't have any of the alcohol, given that most of the price mm. is from the alcohol tax. But anyway. Oh, um, yeah, it's got to just be alcohol tax that makes them more expensive, right? Like, I'd assume so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, we haven't recorded in like, I don't know, almost a month because we bulk up, recorded a bunch the other day. Uh so, you know, forgive us, audience, if we forget how to do podcasts, but uh, I'm sure we'll be all right. So, we're in episode 45 today. Yeah. We, we crossed our, uh, our 100th video, our 20,000th view the other week, mm. uh, and we're about to tick over into the 400 subscribers as well. So, thank you for everyone who keeps joining. The, and the, uh, the, the podcast itself off, like on all the other channels, keeps growing. So, thank you, everyone, for... Tuning in and listen to what two dudes who like to drink a non-alcoholic beer say. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, mate, what what are we talking about today? So today, I um, this is kind of a compilation of a few different things that I've been noticing over the last couple of months, and it's all around this idea and trend that AI and humans are getting harder to distinguish online, and. It's, there's a lot of stuff coming out where it's shown that AI is easier, is able to replicate human-like traits easier, whether it's voice, whether it's obviously text, written-based text. And the kind of final piece of the puzzle for me was when uh, this, this report came out showing that AI was beating recaptures very easily, mm. which is kind of the, you know... The, the, the Turing test almost for the internet. for the, um, And... I think we're at a point where the proving you are human might start to become a more and more important part of your daily interaction on the internet. And so what I wanted to do was kind of start off with, is this going to be a problem? Like proving that you're human, is this is this going to be a problem or is this just, you know, the scams and the misinformation, people getting all up in arms about not much? Then as well, I thought we'd look at kind of like the fundamental right that would exist for humans and organizations around this and whether it should be a right or not is to whether you should know whether you're interacting with a human or a non-human agent. And then uh, beyond that as well, I thought we'd start to look at uh, a few different scenarios and a few little ways that the world could pan out if we do have to start proving that we are human and how that could happen, both, both for an individual but then also the problems that these organizations, obviously the big one is think Twitter, all these social media platforms are going to suffer if AI agents become much, much more important. So all up, I would sum it up as, will we need to prove life in a digital world? Yeah, it's an interesting one for sure. And I mean, yeah, there was, I think there was an article in... New York Times this week about college admission essays and things and that being like the next big scary thing for 
working out whether something is AI or yeah. not. So it's it's definitely going to become a need, you know. And I suppose for some of these things, it may be that we need better ways to detect AI, which I'm sure we'll get into. And then also, are we just testing the wrong stuff? You know, like the captures, for example. Like, <laughs> do we just make harder and harder jigsaw puzzles for humans <laughs> to solve every step of the way, or do we need something fundamentally different? Yeah, I seriously was filling one out for like 30 seconds the other day because I accidentally clicked it wrong and so it put me in the AI bucket and to dig myself out of that AI bucket took so long. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll jump into it. But um, I thought the, the kind of like first question that I wanted to uh, jump into is and hear your thoughts on a, is AIs replicating humans a, an issue? Yeah. Which I think is a good place to start because if it turns out no one cares, we could waste a lot of resources trying to uh, yeah. stop this from happening. I think I think there are some obvious times when it is a problem. Like if you're impersonating somebody else, like legitimately trying to commit identity theft with AI, I feel like that's a problem. That seems to be a given. If you're an AI pretending to be a person but not a person in particular... I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. If I, I think that's bad. I um I kind of I came up with like a distinction of like AI's replicating human tasks or traits in itself is not inherently bad. But I could not think of a situation where someone was trying to trick that human into thinking that they were that the AI agent was a human. I couldn't think of a good scenario in that situation. Maybe in like 2000 years we'll look back and be like wow, we were so discriminatory towards AI agents. We're such a more enlightened species now that is accepting of all all life forms. But I think at the moment that I couldn't think of a good reason as to why you would try to trick someone to thinking the AI agent was a human. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree. And I mean, I think from what I've seen in a lot of these products built around, say, chatbots and things like that, I'd say it's either not front and center or it's not explicitly stated as opposed to somehow trying to make you believe it's a person. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, when I was looking at this, I kind of like, there's kind of th- three really obvious areas in this yeah, in this space of pretending, pretending to be a human um, that are negative. The first one is the scams, like... You know, there was a story about someone's parents getting a phone call from their kids saying they were kidnapped and then it turns out they, it was an AI agent replicating the kid's voice or something like that. So, the, there's just scams. There's like, obviously, there are so many scams where you can think of that replicate, pretending to be a human with an AI agent is possible. I think the misinformation on the mass scale is also another big area where this is a negative. Uh, so, obviously, there is the deep fake of this where you are essentially using an AI tool to pretend to be someone else but then i think as well there's also on the like there's this mass information and we can all think of like the president of the u.s saying something that they didn't that would start a war but then i think there's also on this like almost micro misinformation as well on stuff that's way less higher stakes but will still cause a lot of misinformation and i think the the good example there was uh there was claims that people were giving the wrong addresses for voting polls during one of the u.s elections mm. um and and I and I think as well that that stuff will be much easier, much easier to trick people to into believing, um, and could won't have as dire consequences as 
pretending to be the United States and declaring war on a president of the United States and declaring war on another country, but there will be uh, consequences from it. So those were like the three very obvious things. And I think we can probably both agree that this is an issue uh, Mm -hmm. when an AI is replicating a human and not being forthright about that. Yeah. I think in that third category, that sort of micro misinformation as you've labeled it, there's like this interesting blurry line of not not necessarily intentionally nefarious, but just like bullshit TikTok content type crap that you could imagine being produced on mass. Like yeah. you remember that whole thing about like people eating spiders in their sleep? Yeah. So that that was originally a research study to see how quickly made up information will spread on the internet. Uh, and obviously it spread a long way because it took me like 10 years to learn the truth of that story and not just think that people ate spiders all the time. <laughs> I can just imagine like dumb shit like that being made up and prolifer- proliferated on the internet by actual humans from like a very small misinformation-based suit. Yeah. Yeah, I also think as well that um, <laughs> you're right there, but you're oh, yeah, back. <laughs> almost, almost sneezed for those not watching the video. <laughs> if you're um, wondering what that was. Yes. Yeah, this, uh, I, I would label it down as like dinner party misinformation where like someone will say some stat at a dinner party that no one's ever going to fact check and five people will go away and requote that <laughs> somewhere else because it was an interesting tidbit. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I guess you can see how some of that would be twisted and could be potentially really dangerous, but also just like wasting the bandwidth of humanity yeah. with crap. And so I think I think what follows on from this first question of do we believe this is an issue, that AI is replicating humans is an issue, and if we go yes with the caveat that if they're trying to trick the human into believing that they're human, I think this answers the second question, which is should we have the right to know we are conversing with an AI agent? Yeah, I find that one interesting as well because let's say let's say yes. Let's run with the yes article for the minute. Okay, we need to know when the thing we're talking to is an AI. If I create AI-generated scripts and then get a human to read them out loud, yep. is that still AI? Yep. You know, and, if- and this was my follow-up question, mm-hmm. which is, does this extend to engaging with AI-generated content? So when New York Times starts releasing articles underneath their from their New York Times AI generate uh, AI do we need to know that that is written by an AI or and which human wrote it so yeah there's this i think there are some very clear cut cases of like if you're talking with a chatbot you probably should um just from the reasons above that we said but yeah where is the line of you should be able to identify what this yeah and yeah, I guess there's some sort of information supply chain all the way back to the beginning, right? Like if I get an AI to summarize a bunch of articles and write dot points for me that I then turn into an article that then gets published, you know, should I have to disclose that? Or if one of those articles themselves was written by AI, should I have to disclose that? And like how far through mm. the web of potential spots for AI to come in do we need to start to track? Because I think... You know, ultimately, given enough time, everything is going to have bits of AI content in it, AI engagement in it, and we need to sort of say where where we believe 
that line to be drawn. And, and I think ultimately, in my mind, it becomes a, a transfer of risk. You know, it's if there's a bunch of AI articles that have been read by a human and summarized, that human is taking responsibility for their summarization to say, like, I read this, did the work to verify it wasn't BS, here it is. Whereas the opposite, where it's an AI reads a bunch of human-written articles, you can't, at this point in time, sue an AI if it incorrectly mm. summarizes those articles. Yeah. Yeah, and I think... Uh... I think we will probably, when you, you saying that made me think about how we will probably end up in a world that will default to this purely because all the laws are written around humans and organizations. Yeah. There will need to be a liable entity at the end of the day, and it is much easier. And so someone will need to take responsibility for the algorithm's outputs. At the end of the day, if you use AI to write defamation and release it, and New York Times releases it, New York Times is still going to get screwed. Yeah, I mean, it's it's much the same as it was in the medical world when we were dabbling around there. It's, you know, it, you can make tools and you can get them licensed under certain use cases, but you know, there's a clear chain of legal mm. and ethical responsibility throughout so that, you know, for lack of a better way to deal out justice, you know who to sue. You know who to sue. I also think as well that there's like we're trying to give an answer over it generally here, but I think there's going to be very domain-specific answers, right? Like mm. is when it comes to news, everyone's going to want to know like which human vetted this. So, for example, you know how they write the little, you know, James Johnson wrote this article at the top. People yep. want to know that that's going to in news. There's going to be a lot more of this. A human has vetted this. Uh, a human has produced this. But as you go down towards like you know games or fan like stuff that is clearly i'll say more enjoyment than mm. information no one's gonna care like no one's gonna care whether your graphic of your character in your oh yeah your indie your indie computer game was generated so um i think i think there's like these i'm not too worried about this because i feel like the industries that know that this is important will 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 gravitate towards the correct answer for their industry yeah, and look, bad actors are going to try and get away from it anyway. Yeah. Um, I think right now, with the current crazy bubble VC hype cycle that we're in with AI, everybody's going to err on the side of saying their thing has AI in it, even when yeah. it doesn't. So I don't think we're really at risk of under-reporting this right now. Yeah. But yeah, going further and further into the future, I'm sure we will. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's a... The I, if I call, recall back to it must have been like episode twenty five or something like that. We looked at a U.S. framework. It was a bit of news that came out of, mm. and one of their frameworks was the right to know that you were interacting with a human. That was one of their suggestions in their. I believe it was the AI development framework for the U.S. Congress, and basically, the government has come out and said, and so you can assume that the government would follow this. That you will always know if you're interacting with an AI agent versus a human agent or a, hu or a human employee of the, uh, of the government. Yeah. And I think, yeah, again, as you said before, things like interactions with the government, you'd really want to know. Uh, you know, <laughs> who generated the random ad that you're watching in between 14-second videos Yeah, doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah. Or at least, at least not as much. So... At this point, we've kind of decided that it 
is a problem and depending on the scenario that it's probably good to know that you are acting with a human or an AI agent. And mm. for 99% of society, I believe they will make that distinction with not too much with not too much uh, fight or issue with it. But I think there is always going to be a need to protect ourselves against bad actors um, as individuals. And so what I wanted to think about was what could... What tools will we have at our disposal, at our at at our fingertips, to be able to protect ourselves from bad actors, and also helping us identify AI agents that, um, and and if you identify the AI agent, you could therefore ultimately detect something not good happening happening to you. Um, the classic example that is brought up is AI detecting AI, which you 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 mentioned a bit earlier. Um, yeah. And one interesting thing that I came across is, uh, was that this is probably proving a bit more difficult than people are imagining. Mm-hmm. And I ha- and the example that I came across was a study from John Hopkins showed that across about seven major plagiarism services, so think the Turnitins, the common.lit, the quill.org, um, it flagged about 61% of non-native English-speaking essays as AI-generated. It was small numbers. It was less mm. than 100 people. But 61% of the of the non-native English-speaking were flagged as AI-generated, and they weren't. That's like a terrible, terrible false positive rate for one of these detection services. Absolutely. And especially if, I mean, as that statement seems to imply... It's a non-uniform false yep. positive rate. You know, it's it's unfairly biasing against people who are non-native English speakers. Yep, which is just prolifer- proliferating a whole bunch of existing biases. Yeah, and and yeah, right. I didn't mention on the flip side of like English speaking, it was you know below ten percent, or can't remember the exact number, but it was it was obviously much lower. Um, otherwise, this wouldn't be news. Um, but the hypothesis was that non-native English speakers use much simpler language and techniques on general in general. Yeah, and that is very very similar to large language models because if you think of large language models, they are literally the definition of average human yeah. <laughs> because they are the average of every single human <laughs> written work in history basically at this point and so if you pre- if you regress more towards the average writer you're more likely to in a simpler in a simpler language and technique way you're probably more likely to look like an llm and interestingly chat gpt has pulled its detection uh, software tools and so is quill.org and common.l L-I-T, maybe it's common.lit, but whatever it is. Um, and so three of the major, including ChatGPT, have pulled their software detection services. And so I'm sitting there going, wow, if an LLM powered by objectively the largest ever trained LLM in history can't detect yeah. at this current stage where I'm not sure whether we can bet the farm on, it's okay, we'll all have an AI antivirus installed on our Chrome and it'll, it will pick up all the AI for us. And it did make me think about how much of a problem this is because, like, how do you detect the pure, like, the average? Because you have, it, it, it's yeah. the average, how do you detect the most yeah. average thing? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, again, every time I've seen one of these detection setups, they flag a whole bunch of false positives and they don't really pick up that much AI. And I think with a 
you know, with a chat GPT or GPT-4 or, or any of these other large models these days, you could easily just tweak your instruction to say, throw in the occasional complex word yeah. or, you know, whatever, or in, intentionally prompt it with the idea of like not yeah. being picked up based on common language patterns and things like that. So yeah. it's a bit of an arms race and, and kind of a pointless one. You know, I I think, yeah, that, that college exams or college entry essays or, or assignments seems to be like a hot topic because I think it's one that a lot of people are familiar with. But, mm. you know, it, it makes sense as to why you would potentially use an AI to help you with your assignment. It's easy. It's free. And you'll probably get better marks. And we can go through turn-it-ins and all sorts of other stuff like that, but... Maybe we just need to admit that perhaps this is not the right way to be assessing people. Yeah, yeah. And we've talked about this probably five to ten times already about how, like, we just have to accept that AI will be a part of the education process and the thought process of humans moving forward. Um, and we need to adjust adjust to that. Yeah. Um, you also mentioned something interesting that I just remembered from that article. They also got ChatGPT to beat its own detection or something like They got one of them to... De- uh, by simply prompting it to like write in a sl- in a more complicated style or write like an or and so it just yeah, yeah. <laughs> no hundred percent and I remember you know when we were early days at uni it was all about like no notes no nothing in the exams you just got to remember everything hmm. you might get like half a page to write some formulas yeah. down but like the goal was have you memorized all this stuff and I think you know towards the later end of of my degree certainly. There was this acceptance that most of the shit that we're doing these days is not on pencil and paper. It's large-scale numeric simulations of stuff. There is no point in knowing that you have memorized these equations, so it's an open book exam. Yeah. And the entire you know nature of what that exam was changed because the assumption was you have access to all of the information that you might need to complete this, and we're going to design with that in mind. Similarly, I'm sure of all the bright minds behind all of these Ivy League universities, we could come up with a way to say, all right, given that everybody has access to ChatGPT, how do we make a reasonable modification to what an essay is that then, you know, keeps the same discriminatory power between, you know, the quality of students coming in uh, and takes into account the fact that, look, yeah, they're probably all going to use this free and widely available tool. Yeah, I remember people were freaking out about Wikipedia when we were in like grade eight when it first came out. Everyone's like, oh, they're just going to copy it and oh, it's, you can't trust it It's because it, it's made by... You don't know who wrote it. And like, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I think the point that I wanted to make in this situation is that like, I actually think we're probably going to be... It's going to be harder for us than I initially thought anyway to rely on a, this AI antivirus equivalent that is installed on our computer that will instantly tell me that I'm actually talking to Elliot right now and not a deep fake of a live deep fake of Elliot. Um, right. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, and so if that happens, I think what we're, and I think this is actually ultimately probably going to be better for us as well. It, it, mm. If we, cause I've, I think I think there's going to be like 99% of stuff you're going to filter out easily, like the scam text messages I get daily now about my postal, my my postal, my toll account being overdue or whatever it is. This yeah, oh, <laughs> mate, your your toll account's overdue. Hurry up, oh, pay, yeah. 
Um, but like we're only ju- we're just gonna like only start, and we talked about it, we're only gonna start trusting logos, URLs, or channels that things come from. Like mm. it, that that's what's gonna happen. Like I ain't gonna look at a Mr. Beast video that isn't from his YouTube channel and believe that he made it in the future. I'm not going to look at a New York Times article and believe it unless I can re- read that it came from NewYorkTimes.com. Um, that we're just... It, the power of trust is going to, like, accrue to places that... Uh, yeah, certain yeah. places. No, 100%. And, you know, this is not the first time that the world has tried to tackle verification. You know, yep. things like signatures and, and all of this on files in this sort of cryptography sense have been around for a long time. There are ways that we can verify the origin of certain things. Sure, we're not going to be able to protect against the person at the origin using AI, but if you said New York Times has written this article, they have claimed that there is no AI in place and here's a signature against New York Times' well-known public yeah. key that verifies that those two facts came from New York Times, then at the very least, you know that somebody in the middle hasn't fucked yep. with it, which is a long way to, you know, a big step forward. Yeah. And I think that um, that's, uh, I was going, we was going to talk this scenario in the third, but like this, you've kind of mentioned it and I think we'll jump to it, is like this idea of proving that we are humans as well um, in the, proof that we are humans or we are interacting with a human i think there is going to be an interesting uh development over here in the next few years there's a relatively famous professor called melanie mitchell and she just believes and she wrote a book on this basically believing that there's just going to be a forever arms race on the on the the recapture as equivalent and and ai uh at the moment it looks like ai has taken the lead and is being able to beat the captures the recaptures recaptures were fantastic for a 10 years being able to pause, uh, stop a lot of bots, but this is going to be a new development and it's not. hopefully it's not going to be us just solving more and more puzzles that are more and more intricate. Um, <laughs> but, like, yeah, there, there, there's going to be a world, you can almost see a world with, like, two-factor human authentication where you get a text message and, like, onto your device and your device only unlocks with your face kind of thing or your... Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. And I, I mean... Captures are certainly one side of this. I think it's interesting in amongst all the craziness currently going on at Twitter or X or whatever it's called these days uh, to use financial verification as a way to try and prove humanity Um, because, I mean, yes, it would probably work to some extent. You're unlikely to get a million bots created if those bots cost $8 a month unless Mm. you can generate more than $8 a month of... uh, Spam revenue. <laughs> um, but it, then it just sort of pushes that burden onto the consumer yeah. because it goes, okay, $8 a month is not enough to stop the bots. Let's raise the price to $9 a month and so on and so forth until eventually you're like, all right, all the bots have stopped. Uh, and oh, lo and behold, $45,000 a month means there's also no people left because every time you rise, raise that price, even now at non-zero dollars a month, you've probably alienated a huge portion of the global population from signing up and, and engaging in mm. Twitter in the same way that you used to. Yeah, yeah, I didn't think about that of like pricing the negative externalities of bots who, yeah, yeah it's going like to fall on some user or some consumer in some way. Yeah, yeah. And they, yeah, I'll be interested to see where this lands between 
mostly the companies absorbing the cost or mostly the consumer absorbing mm. the cost. Yeah. I thought another interesting uh, problem that we'll be facing individuals is rather on, on the consumption side is on the creation side and that is proving that your work is your work and not from AI. And the example that I'll give here was there was a famous um, famous animator and cartoonist, Polish Polish guy, and he produced a number of the Dungeon and Dragons like artwork, very famous and um, he'd then gone on to produce many games like animations within games that were famous and you know a lot of people would commission his work at a very lucrative price uh, he like went online and found that I think he like joined Midjourney or something and found that like there was already a, a repository of like 25,000 images created by in the style of him and he was like I can't tell the difference like I, I could have produced this at first I thought I'd produce them and then I realized there was so many that I hadn't and so there's and it's okay for him because like he's made it in life and he's got a name for himself and is very famous and uh, but there is an interesting world here is like how how are we going to be able to prove that that is our work as a human Obviously, it gets a little bit more complicated when you use AI generation alongside producing work and stuff like that. So, yeah, is um, and I think the the form like the the two top battlegrounds for this at the moment is one we've already discussed, which is student essays, mm. proving that that is your work, and then obviously any in the visual art space. Yeah, definitely. I it just made me think there would be an interesting leaderboard somewhere of let's say mid journey all of the prompts that come out of mid-journey that have within them in the style of X yeah. and just having a leaderboard somewhere around how many images are generated against that style because I think, you know, <laughs> there's the obvious ones like in the style of Van Gogh or Picasso yeah, yeah. and all Dali this Dali was a big one as well, right? Like, yeah. yeah. And, you know, for a while that's going to be fun and interesting but people will get bored of the same styles and it's like how long does it take for a let's say an artist born today to come up and get famous enough to show up on that leaderboard assuming this trend continues going forward because you've got to think that you know old mates dungeons and dragons images are probably really great but the same way that adding clip art into Microsoft Word was a novelty and then everybody knew what the clip art or the word art looked like and then it became uncool and they had to change it all. I think eventually in the style of X is getting it tiresome and we're going to need to continue to adapt and evolve and, and change the game. And I think, you know, there's some value somehow of reaching that stage of entering that leaderboard of being on the in the style of X leaderboard uh, because it signals somehow that you have become well-known enough that people know to put your name in as a style, mm. which implies that like there still must be a pathway to success outside of the existence of these AI tools. Yeah. I like uh, my, my kind of response to this question that I asked myself is that like, well, Competition is going to get higher and we're going to move more towards trusted channels. So if you want to buy an original animation from 
this Michael Dungeon and Dragons guy. You're only going to buy from his website. You're not going to buy from Etsy or eBay or Amazon. You're probably only going to buy from his store if you want the original. Um, I also I, when you when you said the leaderboard as well, my first thought was well is like how long until there's an in the style of but it's of someone attributed it to a human or a person or an individual, but actually it was just like random creations through mid-journey and people like that and, you know, through Johannes, Johannes Yeti in the style of Johannes Yeti and Johannes Yeti doesn't exist and everyone thinks that they exist. <laughs> Man, I actually love that idea. Imagine just trying to just create in the style of and then generate random names. Yeah to get a consistent style from somebody who just doesn't exist yeah. and start posting pages or, you know, tweets yeah. of just here are some images in the style of a random name that I just came up with. Yeah. That is a very cool idea. Somebody should do that. If you do, please send us a link on our Discord. We will definitely talk about it. Yeah, so those are kind of the three big issues that I saw facing individuals. So just to recap those, it's like what protection do we have against bad actors? How can we tell the world the creation is ours or rather than rather than an AI generated? And then ultimately, how can we prove that we are humans to the world? And I think that we are going to, there is going to be a few tools and tricks across there, something on the two-factor authentication two-factor human authentication, a new version of Capture. There will be some basic AI tools to stop you being super scammed super easily and basically just block spam incoming. The spam equivalent folder of your of your the junk mail equivalent of your browser. But I think ultimately the way to protect ourselves will be to rely on channels and URLs and brands that we ultimately trust. Um, mm. And how that trust is built will be dependent on which industry and world part of the world that you're operating in. Yeah. For sure. I thought um, it'd also be interesting to talk about on the organization side because we're talking about like how do you protect yourself here from scams and other stuff. But I also think that probably organizations might have the more uh, that might have a bigger problem to deal with in the short term. And the biggest one is on managing bots. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously when Elon bought X slash Twitter, it became one of the biggest sticking points was the number of reported bots on this on this platform and i thought it's a good place to start with is how do you think these organizations are going to juggle nefarious bots first bots that they want on Mm. the platform yeah no that's a good question because i yeah i would say has the quality of twitter gone up recently (laughs) since all of these efforts I don't know, man. Like, well, I, like I genuinely don't know. I deleted yeah. my account. Um, but, yeah, I think that must be a tough question in a lot of boardrooms at the minute around which bots do you remove and which bad actors do you remove. And I, I'm sure the same applies for humans. Like, it's not as if controversial content has not been a draw card to a lot of these platforms in the past. And I think in the same way, there's a certain brand of... AI-generated content or sort of mass-produced content that seems to do really well. Like, there's this whole meme of using TikTok as an example for the minute. It's like Family Guy clip being played on top of, like, someone playing some two-bit mobile game. And it's like it's just not, it's not even content, but 
you know, I, I reckon every like 10th video I scroll through ends up being that. And then you look at the numbers against it and it's like, this gets a hell of a lot of views. And it's like this weird optimization of what's going to draw people to watch for a long time because ultimately that's how we're doing payouts versus stuff that people watch and go, oh man, this sucks. Yep. Yeah, so there's, it's going to be a really fine line for these organizations to encourage the usage of bots because bots will generate content round the clock, right? But not have too many that it's just bots talking to bots. Yeah. And also get rid of the semi-free Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> Nigerian totally. prince equivalent. Yeah. This is Elon Musk. Yeah. I... <laughs> Hundred percent, man. But I, I think that to some extent, like this non-offensive AI-generated content, like these Family Guy mobile game videos I'm talking about, there is probably a line in which, if you removed all of them, viewership on genuine human-created content would decrease. Like there must be a sweet spot, and I don't believe that sweet spot is zero Family Guy video game clips yeah yeah i think i th- yeah the the right sprinkling of bots in here will improve these platforms yeah and Which like is, it must be tough as a platform owner because yeah. like it is crap it's not it's not high quality content if you think about how like reddit started the founders were like yeah we originally made like 300 fake accounts and we're just all pretending to be those people talking talking uh in the in the subreddit at the time to try and get make it seem like there was a conversation happening. Um, but then I think if we bring in our first question, which is like, do we have a right? One of our first questions of, do we have a right to know whether you're interacting with a bot is like, well, how are these places going to handle it? Like, do you get a blue tick if you're a not human? Do you, do you, yeah. Do they want, is it, is it recommended that you label you're a bot or is it going to be forced to be known that you're a bot? Yeah. And then, and then as well, like how much of my, if, if I, Put if I create a bot that just creates this content that does uh, Family Guy on top of two bit games and just put it under my name, like is that is that <laughs> okay? Mm. I think I got some really tough questions because, as you said, they don't want to kill it. They don't want to kill it. The answer isn't to we don't want it. We want zero bots. I think there'll be a place for that on the corner of the internet, and I'm actually kind of like really excited for these like niche parts of the world to develop, which is like anti AI, not in a negative way, but it's like. The, you know, recreating the real human experience yeah. of like, this yeah. is just human only content. <laughs> yeah. But, and, you know, on the other side, family, guy, not to pick on this, but like, I really hope that the person making these family guy videos is not a real person whose life work has been to edit these clips together. But, but if they are, if they have, they've been hugely no, I mean, successful. They've, so, they've powerful. Nailed it, so yeah, good on them. But if you told me, like if I was watching that, and, you know, it's 30 seconds of content, Yeah, whatever. If I was watching that and it was like, this content was created by a bot, I don't think I'd care. I really don't think it would make a difference to whether I watched it or not. Yeah. Whereas on some other platforms like, say, Twitter, it's much more important to know whether the content creator is human mm. because you know, there's supposed to be some intellectual engagement there. Whereas, you know, the mindlessness of scrolling through 45-second videos, you're not doing it to expand your intellectual horizons. You're doing it because you're sitting waiting for the bus and 
you know, you cannot be bothered to pick between the 14 half-finished Audible books that you have on your phone. You just scroll through some nonsense. <laughs> that felt a little real and close to hope. Yeah, <laughs> it's very real. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, and then the, the, the downstream impact of this is because we know that they're not going to accept all bots and they're going to ban certain accounts because of violating some terms of some term in their agreement. Yeah. Um, I think a big problem is going to be the, they're going to automate this, right? They're going to auto ban mm. and dealing with the false positives, like our turn it an example of how do you deal with accidentally, even if you have a 0.1% false positive rate, there's so many users on this thing that you're going to have thousands of people that are like not going to be happy with it. And these social media platforms can mean a lot of, important things for a lot of different people whether it's livelihood whether it's the only way to connect with certain people in their life etc and so i think this auto banning will be uh will be a tough spot for them definitely especially in the world of like shadow bans you know for those not familiar with the term you know there's platforms out there that have this idea where they'll ban you but you won't know that you're banned so you'll still be able to post, you'll still be able to do all sorts of things, but your content just won't be shown to other people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's pretty easy to verify if you're checking your content via another account, whether you've been shadow banned. But you could easily create pools of suspected bots and put people in those pools and you'll still see other content, other people can still reply to you, yeah. but you're just sort of drawing lines around what you suspect to be bots and letting them engage. Uh, because that sort of limits their desire to fight harder to be human Mm. because they think, oh, yeah, this is definitely working. Uh, But ultimately, you know, you've sort of isolated them from the rest of the ecosystem. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Imagining like an algorithm that penalizes bot-like activity. So someone who posts frequently in in simple language (laughs) gets put to the bottom of the pile of of tweets displayed on... um, Oh, X. Are they called X's now? I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. Whatever it is, Elon's happy playground. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's kind of all I wanted to explore today on... We kind of covered the issues surrounding individuals and issues facing organizations. I think there's a whole point as well that we could probably talk about, but... I think we've kind of said it enough of like making sure that the person signing up for your service is actually human for important things like banks and stuff. But I, I, I'm less worried about that because those institutions are already pretty ready for that from a post, basically from a fraudulent and scamming protection past. Mm. But I think, yeah, what I hope today was discuss new problems that could come out of this. But um, yeah, nothing else to cover unless you got any other questions or... No, Thoughts I, on this, man? I think we dove into some interesting stuff here today. Somebody please make that uh, in the style of X leaderboard. Yeah. I'd be very keen to see that. Um, but yeah, look, otherwise, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. As always, you can catch this in video format on our YouTube as well as some other wild and wacky videos that we're creating and testing out uh, on podcast apps. And the absolute best thing you can do is let a friend know that you enjoyed the show and get them listening. Uh, second best thing you can do is come join us on our Discord and have a chat to us about all things AI or whatever other weird and wonderful things we decide to chat about that week. But until next episode, see ya. Goodbye. Goodbye.
Thanks for listening to another episode. If you're liking this content, make sure you subscribe and like so we keep on going. And if you have any questions, make sure you hit us up on Twitter, join our Discord, or leave them in the comments below. Thanks again. It's-